1: You're a 415er, 415er, 415. You're -er. You're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and and more and more. Welcome to the 415er, hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy.
0: What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast three times a week. Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Evan Giddings with Mark Grendy, as always. Merry Christmas, Mark. I see you're in the, in the holiday mood. Tis the season. How we doing, man?
1: I'm doing well, yeah. If you're uh, watching on YouTube, you see I got a Santa hat on right now. Recording this on Monday, day after Christmas, but still in the holiday spirit. Hope you had a good a good holiday time, Evan. I know I had a, a, a lot of fun as well and hope all of our listeners got to enjoy some time with their family and uh, gather around the living room watching some Niner football in their eighth straight win. We got a lot to talk about, uh, but it was a good weekend for 49er fans.
0: Yeah, that no, was a great weekend for various sports fans for the most part. I mean, I'm I'm rocking a Jordan Poole shirt. They won on <laughs> Christmas Day. Uh The 49ers Took care of business against the Washington Commanders on Saturday. Pretty good Christmas Eve gift for those of you out there. Uh, 37-20, the final score. As Mark mentioned, eight straight victories for the 49ers. They still remain in the third seed in the NFC because of those pesky Minnesota Vikings that marked 60 loved so yard
1: game winning field goal. They just <laughs> they come through in the clutch. I don't know you what know, it is about them.
0: Well, Greg the Leg, uh the new one, <laughs> you know, Joseph was a carpenter and apparently a kicker. <laughs> but uh but the 49ers did what they had to do and and Mark it was it was a game that you know was was relatively close in the first half. Well, it was tied in the half, but um it was the first time in I don't want to call the Brock Purdy era, but since he's taken over that we saw some sort of, I guess um, resistance against the 49ers because it's the first time that I I felt like there was a game in the balance sort of midway through, obviously the second half, the Niners blew them out of the water. They really capitalized on every mistake that the commanders made scoring 32nd half points. But Mark, Were you at all surprised? This is kind of where I want to start, because as as much as the 49ers have locked in, they've been dominant, especially over these past, you know, let's call it three and three quarters games with Brock Purdy. Um, Were you at all surprised that there was a Washington team on Saturday, at least in the first half, controlled the ball for 21 minutes as opposed to the 49ers nine?
1: Well, that was always going to be the strategy for Washington. If they had any chance of winning this game, they were going to to shrink the game. They they needed long possessions, and they needed maybe to get some lucky stops with a three and out. Maybe they gave up one first down, then to get the ball back. They needed to possess the ball, and it, it worked for them in the first half. But the issue is, against a or team like this, who isn't really going to break off too many 70-yard plays. We did see a Ray-Ray McLeod 71-yard touchdown run, uh, which is rare. And then we ultimately did see a couple of long George Kittle touchdowns, which we'll we'll certainly get to in a little bit. But generally, Evan, this is a Niner offense that isn't going to hit you with those back-breaking deep plays. They're going to be kind of a a dink and dunk offense. They'll get you know a 15-yard chunk every so often, but they're going to be possession-based. Um, And as a result, it becomes hard if your strategy on the other side is just try to possess the ball. It's going to be difficult because that's the Niners strength as well. I mean, we talked about it leading up to this episode. These are the top two teams in time of possession in the NFL. So the commanders did a great job at that in the first half. And I think to answer your question, yeah, I was a little surprised. But considering how how stark that difference was in the first half, you kind of look at that halftime box score and you think, all right, what might change in the second half? For me, it was those possession numbers, um, and ultimately, the Niners did have some big plays as well that, that maybe kept the possession battle on the commander's side just a little bit, but the Niners had the ball a lot in that second half. They scored a lot of points. They they fell short of the end zone a handful of times. I think some fans probably frustrated by all the Robbie Goldfield goals, but still, you scored 30 points in the second half, and, and really, you came out with it. So, I think despite the fact that I was a little surprised by those possession numbers by the commanders in the first half, I also kind of felt a, a strange level of calmness going into the second half because I felt that there's no way those numbers were going to stay the same. And if the Niners could even just get to even possession in the second half, they were going to be able to score more points and convert more often than Washington did. And, and that that is what happened in that second half. And, and the Niners run away with a, a three-score victory.
0: No, that, that's a good point because, again, it, maybe it was a little more prolonged this time against Washington, but it's been that inevitable boat racing yeah. that's coming for the 49ers. If they were even through half, and then out of the half, George Kittle gets you know 34-yard touchdown catch. And then where I think the game changed, Mark, was it, it was about five and a half, but Riverboat Ron Rivera decides <laughs> to go for it on fourth and one, or probably less than that deep in his own territory, and doesn't get it. Now, there was some, I don't know, controversy over whether the ball was spotted where it wasn't. Regardless, Washington did not get the first down. And then two plays later, diddle, diddle, kittle down the middle, and the ball game's over at that point it does put into perspective for me a couple of things. And, and I also want to bookmark that, that conversation about Robbie gold and the amount of kicks that he had to take. Cause I think it is a little interesting, but this offense for the 49ers, like how do you slow it down? How do you stop it? Because it doesn't appear that on the surface level, it's one that immediately is going to jump out to a 21 point lead. Although potentially could it's more so a matter of, like you said, there's an an air of calm surrounding this offense that it's not a matter of if they're going to score points consecutively or in bunches, it's just a matter of when. And if you're a team that does not have a prolific offense like Washington, and you're going to be playing from behind, this is a Niners team that if you do not, if you give up, let's say, 30 points to, I think maybe there's two three teams in football that could beat this team and only one of them is in the nfc that would be philly in my eyes another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: Yeah, and they were in a battle this week, of course, without their starting quarterback, and, and they gave the Cowboys all they got handle. The Cowboys still came out on top, but I'm with you. I mean, if this is a Niner offense that's, that's going to churn like this, and they could have easily had 40 45 they could have pushed 50 i mean if things went well for them in the end in the red zone we'll talk about those robbie goldfield goals i'm sure in a little bit but this this was a soft 37 i mean or, or i guess a strong 37 they could have easily put up more than they did um but i mean if you're an opponent going into a matchup against the 49ers what you have to hope for Is capitalizing on turnovers. One, you have to get turnovers, and two, you have to turn them into points. And considering that the Niners are still a a run first team, and uh, Christian McCaffrey wasn't nearly as involved in this game, which we all expected, considering the fact that the Niners have the three seed at the very worst locked up, they're not going to risk injury to their superstars at this point of the season. Uh, The two seed would be nice, but it's not worth putting it all on the line at this point of the year. They're going to, you know, lean away from Christian McCaffrey just a little bit. But still, even with that, they're still a run first team. We saw some Tyrion Davis-Price get really his first run uh, of his career in this one against the Commanders. But even with all of that, no matter who's back there in the backfield, they're they're even giving it to Ray-Ray McLeod without Debo Sandel. He's taking some carries. Niners are still a run first team, which means your opportunities to intercept a Brock Purdy pass are, you know, not as plentiful as, as if you're playing someone else. Now, he did throw one interception. It wasn't a perfect throw to Juwan Jennings, a little bit behind him, a little bit low. Juwan Jennings, though, unfortunately, while he's trying to catch it, just pops it up into the air perfectly into a commander's chest that turns into an interception. Washington goes the other way. Not a great throw, but probably not a turnover-worthy throw as well. But still, ultimately, it ends in a turnover. But if you're Washington, you need to then go down, convert, and score, turn it into points. And then when the Niners are are using their run game, you're going to have to punch a ball out. You're going to have to get a fumble. You're going to have to knock one away from Christian McCaffrey. Maybe it's a rare Jordan Mason or Tyrion Davis price carry, you got to knock it free. You have to get lucky with a bobbled snap by Brock Purdy. That's how good this offense is. We talked about it a lot all season long, Evan. After the trade for Christian McCaffrey, it is the best skill group in football. Whether it was Garoppolo, whether it was Purdy, whoever it is at quarterback does not change the fact that it is the best skill group in football. And in order to stop them, to slow them down, you need a bit of luck. That's you need to knock a ball free. You need to benefit from a bobble by the quarterback, a bad snap by the center. You need those things to go your way. And in the second half for the commanders, they did not go their way. And that's why the Niners put up 30 second-half points.
0: Oh, no, and and it look, it takes me to the next part of the conversation about the offense, which in my mind, I like I mean, I, I told you a couple of weeks ago I was starting to drink the Kool-Aid with Brock Purdy and I might have had a couple more cups on christmas Eve than I care to admit. (laughs) But the offense looks more explosive than it has ever been this season. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Whether it's because Kyle Shanahan has more confidence in Brock Purdy or not, whether it's because they have been able to create more advantageous positions they have played from ahead virtually the entire time Brock Purdy has been quarterbacking this team. But Brock Purdy has as many 25-yard-plus touchdown throws this year as Patrick Mahomes. Now, <laughs> that's mind-boggling to me. He's played three and three-quarters games, and the amount of wide-open guys down the field – George Kittle being the biggest beneficiary this last weekend and the weekend before who basically intercepted a touchdown pass from Ray, Ray McLeod on his first one, like Brock Purdy. He, yes, he has demonstrated he can make some tight window passes that he can extend plays that he has enough awareness in the pocket to navigate successfully multiple reads. But when he delivers the football, these guys are running wide open for the 49ers to the point where they really are the yak bros. Like they are getting yards after catch in bunches and to do it. Like I didn't expect Washington to maybe keep up with the Niners offensively. That's not how they're built. And anytime you put a 30 point performance against the commanders, you're probably going to win. But the thing about it is I didn't expect the Niners to be able to move in the second half, slice through butter with a hot knife the way they did against this Washington team that as we discussed has been probably a top five unit to this point this season and also got its arguably its best defensive player back this week in Chase Young Brock Purdy and that offense had its largest output of the season and it was it was against Washington I was I was impressed
1: I was blown away and like we said earlier it could have easily been more I mean they should have been in the 40s considering all the field goals that they took. Um, Something that we probably should have mentioned on, you know, our preview episode last week when we were getting ready for this Christmas Eve game was, you know, we talked a lot about Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne and, you know, uh, Chase, uh, Chase Young making his season debut and how good they are up front defensively and how good their pass rush is, specifically from the interior of the defensive line. We probably should have said something along the lines of, well, You know, how do you counter a great pass rush? It's get the ball out quick. And that's what this Niner offense is right now. And it's what Brock Purdy is doing well. That's what Jimmy Garoppolo did really well as well. A quick release. He's able to, you know, lock onto his first read, sees him open, fire. It's out before any defensive, you know, rusher can get to him unless there was a free rusher. The offensive line just needs to get a hand to get a body on each individual rusher and you'll be able to get a ball off. No problem. So the Niners did a great job getting their throws off quickly. They did have some longer developing plays. That first George Kittle touchdown was a long throw down the middle of the field. His second uh, was a big catch and run, as you mentioned, showing off the, the yak for George Kittle on that one, but the Niners did a good job. You got to credit the offensive line as well. They protect protected Brock pretty relatively well. Um, but Shanahan, you know, drew up a scheme that worked against this defense, which was, hey, Brock, get the ball out early and we'll trust our weapons to be able to make some guys miss and, you know, gain some yards, move the chains, and, and ultimately win the ball game. So I think you got to credit the game plan for the, for the 49ers led by Kyle Shanahan. Uh, they identified the strength of that defense up front. The weakness is the secondary. It's not a bad secondary by any means, but when you compare it to the front, it's not nearly as strong. You trust your elite playmakers on those one-on-one matchups. They'll make a guy miss. You'll you'll move the chains and, and get first downs. Uh, so I think a, a good game plan for the 49ers, but a, a game plan means nothing if you don't execute it well, and the offense certainly did. Purdy deserves credit for that, for leading that charge you know, of execution, and then those skill guys deserve credit for winning those matchups. And, and, you know, allowing, you know, the offense to look explosive, despite the fact that they ran a lot of quick developing plays. And then the offensive line for doing their best to limit that elite pass rush of the commanders of all parts of the offense, maybe except for some red zone offense, all parts of the offense deserve kudos.